Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Talk about a multi-talented, accomplished, determined young woman. Vashti Cunningham, my guest today, is a 24-year-old track and field athlete specializing in the high jump. 2019 marked her personal best of 2.0 meters, then came 2.02 meters, which she accomplished in May of 2021. She subsequently took over the outdoor world lead for that year and moved to number four on the all-time U.S. performer list. There are plenty of more stats for me to rattle off, and we'll certainly go into more detail, but one more for now. In June of that year, Vashti cleared 1.96 meters to place first at the U.S. Olympic trials, qualifying for the 2021 Tokyo event. Vashti's share of coaching help and support has come from her dad, Randall Cunningham, former NFL quarterback and current Las Vegas Raiders team chaplain. She not only attributes her success to her dad, but also to years of ballet study with her mom, Felicity de Jaeger Cunningham, a former member of the prestigious Dance Theater of Harlem. Vashti's passion has been fueled not only by her God-given natural ability and physique, she's six foot one, but also by her determination to keep up with her older brother, Randall Jr., who also happens to be a star jumper. Athletics aside, Vashti manages to balance her career with her passion for fashion design, photography, and modeling. So let's meet and get to know Vashti Cunningham. Welcome and thanks so much for joining me remotely from Las Vegas. Hi, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited to talk to you. You are so (laughs) (laughs) well-spoken. Well, we'll see about that. So your dad's a professional athlete, and you're aware of that as you're growing up, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have his genes. Where did you and athletics get together? When did you guys get together? So I remember when I was really young, just in elementary school, I really thought I was just the fastest person in my class and also (laughs) thought that I was just the most athletic in my class. So ever since a young age, I've been very, very interested in sports and just, you know, trying to compete with anybody and everybody who's doing the same thing that I'm doing, whether it's flag football, volleyball, soccer, and then eventually track and field. So back in the day, It didn't matter what it was. It was just sports overall. You needed that for you. Oh, definitely. I definitely needed that outlet to just have athletic freedom and get all my energy out. You know, whether it was just running or playing tag or kickball, like I was definitely for anything that had to do with athletics. So back then, were you an anomaly or were there a lot of Ashtis out there? I think that I was definitely an anomaly. There were a lot of girls in my class who were, you know, who liked to have fun and play like that too, but they were just a little bit cuter than me and just a little (laughs) bit more girly than I was. Did they not take it as seriously maybe as you did? Yes, it was definitely that. There was a level of like competitiveness that kind of I edged them out in that way. And then I I remember meeting my best friend in elementary school. Her name was Sydney. And me and her just clicked so, so strong. Like she was just as athletic. She liked to play the way that I did. And it was kind of just felt like it was us against all the girls. (laughs) So you found your soul sister. Yes. How were you treated 
by the boys. And are we talking basically elementary school now? Is that how yes. far back we're going? So did they tolerate you or they ignored you? What was that like? I would definitely say that back then they, I think at first it was more of tolerating me and then it became something where it was like a friendship and like a unity of me being able to hang out with the boys because I'm running just as fast as them uh-huh. or I'm on, you know what I'm saying? I'm making as many baskets as they are for playing right. basketball. It just became something that was like normal. Well, that's so refreshing that it just doesn't matter what your gender was. You were a good athlete, and let's have her on our team. I'm a lot, lot older than you are, and trust me, that shit did not happen back in the day <laughs> when I was your age at all. <laughs> so how much of a role did your mom and dad play even at that young age in terms of well, let's say, as I mentioned, dance with your mom in the Dance Theater of Harlem, which I'd like to say I had the absolute honor of uh, having an interview with Arthur Mitchell, who ran the Dance wow. Theater of Harlem. Yeah, it was really very special many, many years ago. And your dad being a professional football player, what role did they have in your life and in your brother's life? My parents played such strong roles in our lives, throughout our whole lives, but I, I just remember so much detail when I was younger of going to ballet class with my mom and her just being on my head so much about how my knees weren't straight and how my back wasn't straight because my mom grew up as a, a full-time, she was doing ballet and she wasn't necessarily doing sports like how I was. Mm-hmm. And then I remember going from doing ballet one day to football practice and then I have like my dad just telling me that I'm doing these things and these things and I'm competing with the boys. It was just like such a, a such a far different two different sides of the spectrum. But both of them were both loving me the same and trying to coach me and just teach me the right things when I was in their fields. Like I remember my mom teaching me how it was to be, how to stand properly, how to have my hands properly, how close my feet need to be. And then I remember my dad, you know, also just reminding me that I'm out there with boys and do the little things that I could do to, to be better. Now, give me a, a time frame. You're how old when you're talking about this? Elementary school? I was probably, yes. I was. I remember playing football from like, maybe first to fifth grade. And then I also was, I was dancing way before I was playing football. I was dancing when I was before, probably in kindergarten. So did all this take place out on the West Coast or were you living at that time on the East Coast considering your mom was a member of the Dance Theater of Harlem or had she given that up after you and your brother were born? Yes, by this time my mom had given up dancing and um, we were living in Las Vegas, but she was um, she was teaching dance at a studio that my dad had. He had a recording studio where he would record a lot of musicians and create albums with his worship team. And it turned into a dance studio for my mom as well. So she was teaching dance to to the girls. Vashti, I mean, holy, holy cow. I mean, what an eclectic, versatile background you have. You know, you didn't have to leave the confines of your home. You had it all Seriously. right under your nose. Yeah, that was that was the best part. I was literally just talking to my brother yesterday 
when we were at practice. And I was like, do you remember like being at Studio 7 and the groups of artists that would come in and how they would just play with us and then we would hear the music that they're coming up with and then even now listening to the music that was being recorded. It was just like a different way to grow up. It was such a special time that I truly, truly cherish. I bet. Now, where are you in the food chain? Is your brother older than you? So my brother's older than me. I'm the second child. I have a younger sister who's five years younger than me. And then I have a little brother who passed away. And then I have one more little sister now, and she's in fifth grade. Or I think she might be in fourth grade, actually. All right, we won't tell her. We'll pretend we know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she so, won't hear this. She's so she's so in her own child world. You mean to tell me that your little sister does not listen to podcasts? How dare she? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. When did you decide to make that move kind of away from dance and more into athletics? Both of those pursuits follow you in elementary school, junior high, and high school, or did you focus on one more than another? So I continued dancing up until middle school. I think around maybe my eighth grade year is when I stopped dancing. And I just really wanted to focus on sports. It was it was just like a lot of yelling with my mom in class because I just have really bony knees. And I also just have an attention span that is like not, I can't do sit and do long stretches like how we had to do in ballet. And I would just always want to be up and moving. So it kind of came to a point where I was like, look, mom, I, I love you so much, but mm-hmm. I'm... I can't, I'm not going to be the dancer in the family. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to be the one who's on the field or on the court and just doing, having to get like just an outlet for everything for, for just school and stress of high school being young. I just really needed to be in sports. And I'm sure she was okay with that. Oh, she, yes, she completely understood. So you get into high school and then you had to focus more, right, on a particular sport. Not that you couldn't be in multiple sports. So talk to me about what that was like. What spoke to you? What did you know you needed to do to make you happy athletically? So when I was in eighth grade, right before high school, I basketball was my favorite sport. I wanted to be in the WNBA. I wanted to play at the high school that I was um, setting up to go to. And my dad asked me a question. He was like, so what two sports are you going to pick? And I was like very shocked when he said that because I was like, you know, I love basketball, volleyball, and track. Like I want to do all three of them. And he told me that I needed to pick two. And at the time, the girl, the number one girl in the state for high jump was a basketball player and she was in Reno. So she was going to be my biggest competition that I would have faced in high school. And she ended up tearing her ACL. Yeah. But she was a basketball player. She's an amazing basketball player. She plays professionally now overseas. She ended up going to UConn. Hmm. And so when that happened, my dad was just like, look, we're not going to sit here and risk our safety and risk our health to play basketball. You're going to choose volleyball and track. So (laughs) I guess that way I chose volleyball and track. Well, what did volleyball exactly mean? Did you think that at some point you might take that sport to the Olympics? I'm a little naive about what that's like to be a professional volleyball player. Right after I decided to quit basketball, volleyball became my biggest passion because there's just such a thrill and a hype of that game that 
there's no other feeling like that. Like track can't really compare to that. Um, even basketball. Basketball, you can kind of get the same feelings because you're on a team and you're really competing against other people directly in front of you. The professional world of volleyball, though, I don't know too much about it either, but I know that the women who go professional in sand volleyball mm-hmm. um, seem to do better than the ones who do court volleyball indoors. But it it really didn't matter to me. I was ready to take volleyball into college and literally try to go to the Olympics because I just love the sport so much. So where did you go to college? Talk about the, that transition from getting out of high school and going to college where the focus could be much more intense athletically. I ended up signing a professional contract with Nike, which there, therefore I for like I just skipped my college experience and went straight into professionals. But I was definitely lined up to choose between Georgia and USC, um, University of Southern California. Here you are, an 18-year-old with a contract. I mean, not yeah. that that hasn't happened before, but really is a big deal. It was it was a huge deal for me at the time. I was like so happy on one hand and then one the other hand I was like so sad that I was not going to be able to leave and get the experience of growing up and going to college and trying to figure things out my own way. What year was that? This was in 2016. 2016 when you went pro. Yes. You're still based in Nevada, correct? Yes, ma'am. And What role did your dad play in that sport? He was so hands-on with me because he's my track coach. He is my high jump coach. Um, He high jumped when he was in high school, and he was really good. I think think he went 6'10 or 6'11, and really after that, he had no... um, No confrontation with track and field, really, when he was playing football, but when I was in around third or fourth grade. I remember he started coaching track and field at the school that I was going to. It was a elementary, middle school, and high school. So he was teaching the high schoolers how to long jump and do high jump and all this. And I just remember that was when he first became my track coach. I was the only third grader on the on the track team. You had to get to fifth grade to join oh, the man, track that's team. that's <laughs> crazy. When you look back, does this not give you pause? You're not that old, but what you've accomplished and you haven't even hit 20? No, it definitely like blows my mind when I look back and think of the timeline and the way that everything kind of just came to be. It's kind of like not, it's not a very normal situation for anybody to be in third grade training with high schoolers and jumping as high as the girls. Like it's kind of crazy (laughs) when I think about it. And so you were getting coaching from school, but your dad was also playing a role in this as well. Yes, he was playing the main role. Um, He's been my track coach since, since literally the jump. I was on a track team when I was younger called the Southwest Stallions, who our head coach was Coach Ed O'Neill. I love him so much. He's such a great a great man. Even to this day, he does so much for the kids in the track community. But my dad has always been my high jump coach. So talk to us about making that move into track and field. Was that a natural act for you? 
did you feel that you could marry both sports, volleyball and track and field? Or was it, listen, I got to pick. Like, it's almost like saying, which is my favorite kid? Yeah. For me, it's like, at the moment that I was at, I really had to pick my favorite. And it wasn't necessarily a choice of my favorite, because if we're logically speaking, volleyball is still my favorite to this day. And there's like, I have such deep desires to still try and pursue playing volleyball at this age. I never, ever got to join a club team due Mm -hmm. to track and field being a summer sport and volleyball being a club summer sport. So I didn't really have the base knowledge of the sport or like a volleyball IQ when I was playing. And so now stepping out of the sport for so many years and having a different knowledge just upon all sports in my body and maturing in different ways. I feel like if I were to go back and play volleyball, there would be just such a positive result. So there's like definitely times that I play with myself and I'm like, I could go and play volleyball. I could take an off year. I could train for sand for a year and just see what I do. So there's times that I like play the game in my head because the Mm. love for volleyball has never faded. What was that like living at home with your brother, who was also an athlete, but you were not necessarily in competition with each other directly? It was really, it was really, really nice now that I think back on it, because when he went to college, all the stuff that I had watched him and my dad do, the staying up late watching film, as soon as he gets home, going going into talking about the sport, talking about the sport at dinner, it all fell into my plate. So I was like, wow, I kind of miss my brother being here mm. so that my dad could call him downstairs at 10 o'clock at night to watch <laughs> film instead of me. <laughs> you had a mom who was certainly a star in her field. But what what is that like to have a dad who plays for the NFL? Talk to me about what that was like, having this professional athlete living under the same roof as you? It was, it was really normal for me to have my dad around me for my whole life. And even young when he was still, you know, so fresh in the sport, it was never really a thing where I realized the impact that he's had or even what he really does until I got a little bit older and I went to a jersey retiring that he had in Philadelphia. And I was just listening to the fans in the crowd, like talking to him and screaming at him. I was like, wow, you really have made your mark in this world through a whole like culture. Cause the NFL and football is a culture in America. And I'm just looking at him like, wow, you're really a celebrity in the eyes of some people. And I am your daughter and I give you this attitude. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not a celebrity. So it was definitely a time you when make I got him to middle humble, school. Fashti. Yes. I got to middle school and I was like, oh, like, wow, you really are. You're really a famous person. But it was never something that ever like, you know, changed the dynamic of our relationship. I just always kept him as dad first in my life. As opposed to a deity. Even though you're aware of what that is, he's a real person. He's my dad. Yeah. yeah. Talk about that transition. That that more defines you, I'm assuming, athletically than some of your other endeavors, correct? That track and field really speaks to you based on what I was saying in terms, in the introductions, in terms of the statistics, that yes. you're scoring, man. 
Uh, track and field is definitely the platform that God has blessed blessed me with and allowed me to do so much with my career. I was I was literally able to get into modeling based off of my track and field career. And so modeling has always been a passion of mine. Not necessarily being the model, but just the whole industry of, you know, putting clothes on girls with certain looks and photographing them certain ways or even men like I've just always had such a deep desire for fashion and photography and the creative side of everything and track and field has literally made a whole path for me to dive into my passion in that in that area so in the beginning it was tough for me to sit here and think like okay I'm a professional athlete I have to put all of my stuff on hold until I'm done with it until I kind of matured and grew and God started bringing things into my life in his timing rather than the timing that I wanted to do things in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're not at all ready to give that up because you're only 24, like I said. Oh, yeah, no. That fashion design and the photography and the modeling are off to the side for the time being. They take a back seat. I would say about a year ago, they took a back seat to it. And in this year that I'm in, I'm... I'm kind of starting to understand that this is my life and track and field is not necessarily my life. It's my blessing, my blessing and my calling, but it has also created a platform for me to reach other people in different, different industries and different areas and to also be present in both. And that's like one thing that we don't, I don't really see a lot is, you know, I see athletes doing things like going to fashion shows and doing photo shoots and stuff like that. But right. it's like, I would like to bring it to the forefront to where I can balance all of them at the same time. And Whether it's not it's, just for show. Exactly. And it's not just for show. It's something that I'm really putting my time into and looking for the results. So when the day comes that you're no longer competing and where athletics have to take a back seat, if I was your fairy godmother, you'd ask me what? I would ask you to to reach out to National Geographic and <laughs> send them a letter on my behalf explaining that I would love to be a photographer working for them. You make my jaw drop. There's so many, uh, it's like we've come to praise Caesar, that expression. There's so many interests that you have. And I say this often to the guests that I have met through this podcast, that there's such a great, strong sense of self that you kind of forge ahead. That's the tie that binds this strong sense of who you are and that you know what you want to do. And I'm guessing at some time you'll wake up and you'll know when it's time to move on. Exactly, yes. Thank you for saying that too, because I do get this same, the same exact vibe from you that you are you know exactly what you want and you're very executive of your plans and your vision. Thank you for that. But I think so much of it is the incredible women that I've met. I've interviewed 11-year-olds and up to 85-year-old yeah. artists. Mm -hmm. It's just been so wonderful. But I need you to explain, only because I'm a little ignorant in terms of the track and field part of this, is that a lucrative sport? Let me look that word up. It means you, you make big bucks. Oh, making some good you money. You do well monetarily. Yeah, you, you, get, you get some nice bucks for that. 
That's the thing. It just, it, it really depends. I would not say that by any means track and field is the highest paid sport. No, I, wouldn't I wouldn't think even so. say yeah. that it's in the middle of the spectrum of being one of the highest paid sports. Mm-hmm. It's really all about um, being impressionable right now in life. And also like just like literally using your platform for the things that you, the desires that you have, but also the whatever you feel like God is leading to you to do. That's why for me, bringing fashion and photography and the creative side of everything to the forefront instead of as a backseat, I feel like will be such a impactful thing because track and field alone, it doesn't really stand firmly in America. Like we have the support of track and field athletes, families, and true track fans, but the sport itself is way bigger in a place like the UK or a place like Europe. It's just like they're, the athletes there are looked at as, as celebrities, whereas in America we have NFL, NBA, baseball, plus we have Hollywood. There's just so many people out here who are have eyes on them that you know, you really have to have a deep love for track and really understand the sport to really um, create a movement. So that becomes a different kind of passion. Yes. You know then, Vashti, when it will be time for you to hang up those cleats. Do you wear cleats in track and field? Is that right? Or sneakers. Oh, yes, it's kind of the same Hang up those spikes. Oh, God, that's embarrassing. You'll know when it is to hang up those spikes. I think when the time comes, I'll have a very clear, I'll be able to hear clearly from God that, you know, my time with the sport is coming to an end. And I, I just have a feeling that that will be some, some years away. Like I know my dad wants me to compete for like 14 more years. Why that number? Um, because I went to the Olympics in 2016. I was going to ask about the Olympics. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. The woman who won first place, Ruth Betia. She's a very, I love her so much, very, very, very sweet woman. She was 39 years old when she won her Olympics. No kidding. Yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. But she she was an amazing athlete, and I know that that took a lot of focus and determination to remain in the sport for that long. So I think that God blessed her to literally win her Olympic title in her last competition. That was amazing. That there was some great plan bigger than she what about the Olympics and you? I, I've i gone to two Olympics, and my first experience was, you know, it was whatever for me. I was pretty young when I went, but I was expected to win at 18 years old, and I took that, and I really put the weight of that on my shoulders and mm-hmm. walked around with it mm-hmm. leading up to the Olympics, Um It was really hard for me to sleep going to the Olympics. It was hard for me to think about a lot of things. But I ended up competing and not doing exactly, not doing at all what people expected of me or what I expected of myself. And then going into this last Olympics last year, again, I was also had very high expectations on myself, plus expectations of other people. And I was able to advance my rankings in the competition, but it wasn't enough to satisfy myself or to give me any hope of like being content with that. So I'm definitely looking forward to the Olympics being in Paris and I'm setting my focus on that. And I'm just going to go like, I I felt like I went hard last season, but now that I'm 
didn't re- achieve the result that I wanted, I know I have to go much harder. Mm-hmm. Well, not for nothing. Have you ever been to Paris? Oh, yes. I've been to Paris once during Fashion Week. Oh, oh, oh hold on. Well, that makes perfect I was sense knowing who I'm talking to. Yes, I was going to say, if it doesn't work out on the field, it certainly can work out on the streets of Paris. And you'll know when it's time to go, as opposed to your mom or your dad weighing in on that. Vashti will make the decision for Vashti. Yes, definitely that will happen. It's just been such a joy to meet and get to know you. I only wish I had the presence of mind, even at my age now that you have at 24, and I'm not saying that in a patronizing way, you just really have this really great sense of who you are and however much of that is contributed by your parents, but it's also who you are. You've got that big time. Thank you so much for saying that. It really um, encourages me when another wise woman can sit here and just give me confirmation about everything that I'm trying to work towards and who I'm trying to be. So I really appreciate you saying that. Well, I don't suffer fools gladly. I'm just (laughs) telling you the truth. I want to ask you one other question. Talk to me about you and your brother. Where is he now? So my brother is like my best friend, and he's always been very, very close to me. I, I do have to mention my little sister's at Texas Tech. Um, she's also there for high jump. So I just have to give her a little recognition because usually I don't think people really know all of my siblings and that she's also an athlete. So just wow. want to put that out there. <laughs> but... Me and my brother, he's back at home training now. He ended up having an injury in his last year of college, or I think it might have been his junior year of college, that kind of set him back for a year or two. And so he graduated and moved home and lives now in Vegas and trains in Vegas. And I'm able to train with him again. This past year was the first year that I was able to train with him and jump with him again since five years previous when he went to mm-hmm. to college. So that was like an amazing thing for us to be able to get back together and keep pushing each other the way that we grew up doing it. Oh, that's just wonderful. <laughs> I don't think you have a negative bone in your body, Vashti. Honestly, it has been a joy and you're so upbeat and there's a sincerity and there's just such an honesty. I feel like I'm gushing, but I'm, I'm also very well aware that I'm telling the truth. And uh, it's been nothing short of a real pleasure to meet and get to know you. And to that end, I would love for you to keep us in your loop. And if you ever had an interest in doing a part two, it would be totally my pleasure to have you back. Oh, I would love to come back. I'm so appreciative of you asking me. And I've really, really enjoyed this. This was really nice. So thank you for all of the questions you've asked me. Totally my pleasure, Vashti. We will certainly be in touch. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. 